the Boomcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Boomcast. We have another exciting episode for you today. You have myself, Storm, your host, my co-host, Evil, and we have a special guest today. Uh, he's a very special guest. I'm so glad that we got to get him on here. Uh, he's a student at the California Polytechnic State University. He's what some would call a social media marketing guru. He's also a content specialist and host of the Esports Economics Podcast. Please welcome Tommy Clark. Tommy, how are you doing today, brother? Guys, I appreciate you having me on. I'm doing good. I do want to say I, I don't consider myself a, a guru just yet. Um, <laughs> always learning. Still got a lot to learn. I'm still, still, uh, still learning in the space. So just want, just want to clarify that. But man, I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited for this episode. I'm only saying what some of the people are saying out there, but I respect the honesty yeah, I feel you. and the grind that you're putting out in the space. It's only a matter of time before even you yourself consider yourself that I would say. So, hey man, you got a lot to learn, but Hey, we're learning from you. So you're our guru. Yes. You might not be your guru, <laughs> but you're ours. Appreciate that. All right. So just to get to know you a little better, Tommy, we always ask our guests like, you know, give us a little background uh, on yourself. So who is Tommy Clark today, I guess, is the first question for you. How would you describe that? Yeah, so today, today I do content strategy. Um, for my day job, actually, I don't do content strategy in esports. I do content strategy in like fitness and nutrition, uh, specifically. Like, you know how trainers have to go through like NASA or like certification bodies to like get certified and be a personal trainer? Um, right I work on. for a company that does that for nutrition coaches. Um, sort of a passion, passion project and potentially not a passion project in the future. Um, I really enjoy esports. been playing video games my whole life um, and enjoy marketing. It's what I do. It's what my passion is. So kind of combine those two passions and have been creating content around marketing in gaming and esports. Um, yeah, I would say that's where I am today. The, the path to get there has been kind of roundabout, um, but I, I think that's the best way to put it. Right on. And you mentioned, uh, so you're obviously working in the sports nutrition field as well. Uh, I also noticed that you are a former uh, athlete yourself. Uh, what did you play and where did you play? Yeah, so I played basketball. Um, I played through high school and then at the D3 level a little, a little bit. Wasn't an insane athlete. Was good enough to play at that level, but nothing too crazy. Um, mostly mostly my height. I'm 6'5", um, but probably the least athletic 6'5 guy you'll ever meet. Um, but yeah, I played basketball for a little bit and that's what got me into nutrition. And then for about two and a half years or so, I did nutrition coaching. So I worked with people one-on-one -on -one. Um, and that's really where I learned a lot about content creation and marketing because I had to get clients. I had to get people in the door um, and to learn how to create content that resonated, resonated with people and made them at least interested in working with me. Um, so that's kind of where I got my reps in and I'm still getting my reps. in. like I said earlier, um, still very early on. Um, but then from there transition from actually being a nutrition coach to, um, working on the marketing side of the certification, like I had said, and then kind of transitioned into what I'm, I'm doing now, uh, in terms of content creation and, and um, marketing and gaming and esports. Right on Jim. I know you have a passion for, uh, fitness and nutrition these days as well. So that's yeah, kind of cool. I'm on my, my grind. Yo, take your height. <laughs> there you go. Flip the, take your height, flip the numbers. It's me right here. 
five six. <laughs> yeah, you guys Both are sides represent. <laughs> the tough part though is now that I'm done playing basketball, the height. I mean, obviously, I'm not complaining about being six five. I don't want it to come across that way, but like, it's tough to put on muscle. Like the amount that I have to force feed myself is just absurd. It takes time, um, dude. You're still young. Trust me. Uh, it takes time. Your metabolism, I'm not going to say it's just going to plummet, but it will eventually balance <laughs> out. It will eventually yeah. balance out and it'll be a little easier. Trust me. Yeah, sure. All right. So we also have another segment. Obviously, this is a gaming, uh, esports, business focused podcast. So we have a little segment called the Triple F segment. Okay, the triple F segment. So, Tommy, it's uh, it's three questions just to get a little background on your gaming uh, history, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. So, the first question, the first F is, what was the first video game you ever played in memory? Star Wars Battlefront 2 on the Xbox 360. Right on. That's a, that, that game, so underrated. That was a Elite. sweet game. None. Yeah. If I, if I still had a 360 and like buddies came over right now, like we'd be running that for sure. That, that game was huge. Do you ever play that game, Jim? Dude, I've never played a Star Wars Battlefront game. Oh man, you're missing out. I was looking at the Missed Star out, Wars squad. The, the new ones are good. They're cool. But the, the OG Battlefront 2 on a different um, level. Different level. That game's a classic, in my opinion. Great choice and great starting game to get into gaming. Uh, second F would be, uh, so a game that you played and maybe put some time into, but qualifies as your most forgettable video game ever, meaning like you'll, you'll probably never play this game ever again. Mm. It's tough. I mean definitely put a ton of time into skyrim i wouldn't say it's forgettable because it's like that again that's probably another top tier game but like i'm not going to go back and play it um at this point there's there's really no point in going back but i did put a lot of time into that uh yeah as well think of think of like a game where like like a cod that just didn't hit and like you're like oh you're, you're not paying me oh, to play okay. that again yeah <laughs> I like NBA 2K. Like after after 2K 13, I just could never get into it. I would always play, and it's like the same thing like every year, just with uh, rehash graphics. I mean, it could be different now, but after a certain point, I just it's repetitive. I didn't have the desire to play. Yeah, I'm with Very. you on that. Sports games are in need of like a. I don't know. I don't know how you reboot them though, because like the sport yeah. stays the same. But yeah, they need yeah. So, they need yeah. something. They need something. I mean, you could do something like how NCAA football is doing. Like they they took it off the shelves for however many years, and now they're coming back out with a new one this year. And people are going nuts. They're like, "Yeah, like yeah." You build that hype back up. That's a good. Mm-hmm. That's a good play. If if you if you notice your sales are kind of going down, that's a good play. Like the McRib man. The McRib. <laughs> <laughs> Love the comparison. All right, last F. Uh, so you are trapped on an island. You got all the provisions you need as far as food and to stay alive. You got thousand up, thousand down internet. You have a console or PC of choice, but you can only play one video game for the rest of your life. What game you taking? Mm. (sighs) 
Favorite game of all time. That's a good one. The favorite game of all time or like the video game I could see myself playing often because I mean I guess, I guess uh, time is some sort of FIFA but like, like that gets repetitive whereas like something like GTA there's a lot of stuff to do or something like Skyrim a lot of stuff last, to do this is the last video game you have to play on an island probably taking FIFA to be honest okay. FIFA alright that's a good choice man I mean you can't go wrong yeah, that was the game I grew up playing like once I like actually got got into gaming like Battlefront 2 it's played for fun but like it was the first game I like, took seriously and was trying to get good at. I'm sure there's thousands of people out there with the same, would have the same choice as you. That's a solid pick right there. All right. That concludes the triple F segment. Appreciate that. We got a little background on like your gaming experience, which is cool. Uh, let's, I wanted to move into obviously like more your wheelhouse, which is like social media and uh, content mm-hmm. creation, et cetera. A um, couple topics to to talk about with you. One of them is keeping up with trends. So obviously the world we live in now with marketing and social media and, you know, everybody who's anybody, you know, making it big in, in those scenes, there's always trends. There's trends in music, there's trends in uh, movies, there's trends all the time. How important is it for content creators, like on a solo level and organizations, I guess, in esports on an esports level to keep up with those trends and be tracking them would you say i would say it depends and as you'll get to see over the course of this episode that's going to be my answer for a lot of stuff but to expand on the it it depends piece like if you're for example tactical rap he has to know what's going on in the call of duty scene he can't take a week off to just unplug and expect his content to, to do the same because the audience has come to expect him to create news oriented content around current events. Same thing with really any like COD YouTuber, Salvation's Elite, another example, also creates content around competitive COD. And um, if he wasn't keeping up with the current trends in the CDL, the current trends with like League Play and everything going with that, with anti cheat, they're all opportunities for content creation to hop on that current event. Um, but if you're someone creating more evergreen sort of content, I think of an example off the top of my head. But content that is entertaining regardless. Um, I would say, I mean, I'm sure Mr. Beast hops on trends, but like his videos are going to be his videos. Like we're going to watch them. Um, for someone like that, maybe you don't need to be as clued in to like specific things happening and being so like micromanage or being um, so focused on micromanaging it. But yeah, it is important. Um, I would say it really just depends on like what type of content you're creating. If you're creating content that is oriented around news or around some sort of um, some sort of current event, it becomes a lot more important. If you're creating content that's going to stand alone regardless um, and be entertaining regardless of if it's about something that happened last weekend or something that happened five years ago, um, then it becomes a little bit less important. Um, yeah, right. does that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. And the reason I asked is just because, again, it's important that you pointed out like there's kind of like two paths there. There's the people who need to stay current more on like the news and current events side of things. So obviously they need to be tracking. Yeah. But there's people who, um, you know, are so unique in their content and unique in their presence and what they're bringing that they don't always need to track, which is also. But I've also noticed in the in this world that we live in social media and content 
sometimes it's like one trendy one trend that someone snaps onto and that's that's the thing that blew them up like that's the thing and i feel yeah. like it's a it, it can be a cool thing when it does happen but i also don't i feel like it's like chasing a golden egg like it's it's i don't think feel content creators should always be like hunting that golden opportunity or that golden trend it kind of like it, it takes away from the quality of the content if that makes sense we hear yeah, guys, I, I agree with you right, go ahead you guys like gary v talk about it man like just be yourself like do what you want to do like i hear what tommy's saying here it's like you either have you're either creating content based off of other content or your personality within yourself and people are just watching you for you specifically not necessarily like someone like myself tuning into tactical rab to get an update on the cdl you know, someone that's got a personality, they're tuning in for that individual, not necessarily the content that they're creating content on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a perfect world, I would say it's a mix of both. Like for example, yeah, in my content, I, I create a lot of case studies around marketing and social media and stuff like that. So if there is a current event that happens that I feel like make for a really good video topic and I can, create that video and post it really quick when it's still hot, when it's still relevant, that video does have a chance of gaining traction. But for me personally, I, I don't want to be constantly looking at what's trending and what's, what's popular and what's this, what's that. It's a that's tough line of work. Yeah. It's, it's hard to do. And it's like, it's, it's tough on your mental health. So I think there's, I think there's a balance. Like if you very clearly see something that you feel comfortable and you feel like is in your expertise and you feel like it is timely, um, and you think there's an opportunity for it to gain more traction relative to your other content, then sure, hop on it. Like take advantage of that. Be be aware enough to know that it's happening, but don't feel like you have to spend every waking hour reading every article you see being on Twitter like 24-7, even though I probably am on Twitter <laughs> close to we all are a lot of my waking hours. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you shouldn't feel like you have situation in order to be successful a lot of it just comes down to creating good content over a long period of time eventually one of those videos you do put out will be that video that kind of gains traction and it does help to kind of have the awareness and and the skill to know okay this is a trending topic should i hop on it should i not um because who knows one of them yeah like you said might be that video that shoots your channel or shoots your org to that next level but I, yeah, I agree with you completely. Like there's always that opportunity, I think for anybody, whether you're an org or a solo content creator, I just, I feel like people shouldn't be hunting that all the time. Like focus, focus on being a little more self-aware and take a little more time into building out a plan. Like this is what my brand is going to be and executing on that consistently. And if in the middle somewhere, you know, a trend does pop up that aligns with you, you hop on it. And if it does great, then great. But if not, you're not, you know, just scouring the TL, like just hunting, you know, the latest and greatest all the time. That's just terrible for your mental. Like you said, it's, it's rough. I mean, I've been there. I mean, when, when I'm kind of feeling like I don't have any great ideas, like for the past two or two or so weeks, I was having trouble. I mean, I think it's just, I was busy with school and a lot of stuff going on, but just wasn't in like that same creative space and yeah you find yourself just scrolling like looking for ideas and it it gets tiring yeah for sure so my next uh topic we kind of just hinted on it um as far as content creation and and everything is there's that whole debate of quality versus quantity 
So there's a bunch of, you know, YouTubers or uh, content creators out there that have said like, don't wait to like have the money to get the most expensive camera, you know, the most expensive props and like all this stuff. Don't wait for like a video editor, like pick up a camera, pick up your phone and just start creating now. If you feel like you have a unique uh, voice or presence, something to offer the world, like just start recording it and like the rest of it will come. Uh, I just wanted your opinion on that whole quality versus quantity thing. Like should people just be focusing on, you know, pumping out stuff with what they have or does some quality come into play? Personally, I'm kind of like in the middle. Like I think a mix of both does you well, but yeah, I just wanted your opinion on that. Yeah, it is both. I mean, obviously if you're just getting started and if one thing that's holding you back is your fear of like, not having high enough quality gear yes go ahead just take the leap use your iphone or use your android whatever your cell phone to to film and edit and all that stuff just get it done then once you get it done you can kind of refine from there and then at at a certain point quality does matter it's very unlikely that a just genuinely low quality youtube video um, or low quality post is going to go crazy um, with that said, when I say low quality, I'm, I'm more so I'm talking about the content rather than the production quality. Production quality is, I don't want to say meaning, meaningless because it does matter, but it, it depends on who is posting it, like whether it's a well-established brand or an up-and-coming creator. If you're a solo creator, production quality doesn't really mean that much relative to the actual content that you're putting out, like the message and... Um, personality besides content like content the past like (laughs) uh, seven times the past sentence but um it doesn't matter nearly as much um yeah i agree with you there's a good that's a good separation that's a good separation to identify is the content itself versus the quality so like someone could say quality but it's not necessarily quality of production it's quality of the actual content that's where I think people, some people get Yeah, like, is it something the viewers want to see? Is it something that viewers are entertained by or that solves a problem they have? It's not then, I mean, it doesn't matter how good the production quality is. If you're boring and you're not conveying information or entertainment or whatever that your viewers want to see, it's going to be tough to gain any traction. Um, said, when you do get to a point where you're creating quality content, then sure, upgrade your production quality. It doesn't hurt like jumping from, uh, an older camera to the M50 Mark II, yeah, it helps the streams look better. It helps the videos look better. It gives them a more professional look, but that's not going to make or break anything, especially at the beginning. Um, right. That's my take on that. Ninja is a perfect example of that. I think growing and, and showing that growth, um, it gives kind of like a historical side of it to yourself too. Like you can go back into your early forms and your early videos and see like, man, I was doing it like this, this time, you know, in this, in this part of my life. And then now look at me, you know, I mean, I see it in all these YouTube channels I follow, whether it be like a cooking YouTube channel or like a hunting YouTube channel, you go back in time to where like the first video that like you saw and then to where these guys are now. And you're just like, man, this is awesome. Like their content is what got them to this new quality and this new production that they have. Yeah, my first YouTube videos, like when I was doing nutrition stuff, they're garbage, dude. <laughs> they're not good. I'm glad that I, I kind of cringe when you videos. look back at it, huh? Yeah, I know that's crazy. And I'm glad I was creating videos in a completely different genre. Um, so it's kind of helped because, I mean, since I've kind of 
started creating more content in esports, it, it makes it look a lot faster than it was um, to gain somewhat of a little bit of traction. I wouldn't say I've gained a ton of traction, but to gain a little bit of traction um, in the past few months, it makes it seem like it happened a little bit faster. But in reality, I was creating videos and creating content in general for years at that point, and it was trash when I first started. So <laughs> everyone has that revenues. come up getting your reps man yeah everyone has that come up story i mean even us like we just recently rebranded this podcast we had a bunch of episodes that we've put on private man like they're no longer on the interwebs for just it was just our (laughs) our test run you know what i mean like getting getting grips you know with the whole thing and you know testing it out and yeah everybody goes through that and uh no one's a professional overnight you just gotta jump in you know take that leap for any content creators out there you know if you're kind of sitting on the fence and like you want to do it, but you don't know if you'll be good. You just got to take that leap. And if your first 10 videos suck, they suck, but you're going to grow from it. Right. I said though, I do want to make a very important like clarification, but just to add on to that, like quality does matter. So don't just pump out content for the sake of pumping it out. Like still be intentional what you're putting out yeah. like you want to be confident you're putting out good content of course there's always yeah. going to be that little voice is like oh this sucks like every time i put an article it's terrifying but you should be for the most part confident that you're putting out good content um even if you look back and it wasn't like you should feel like you did the absolute best you could like you shouldn't just be putting out content for the sake of putting out content because that's another mistake i made and i'm sure plenty of people can attest to this like you fall into the trap of listening to a certain someone and thinking oh i need to put out 50 pieces of content per day uh, so then you like just kind of grind and grind and grind and grind and the quality of that content diminishes because of the quality yeah because of the quantity so you want to find that middle ground where you're putting adequate amounts of effort into each piece of content to where you feel like okay this is the best i could have done with what i had like there's nothing else i would change at this point and to put it out um versus just putting out X amount of pieces of content for the sake of it. Like for example, this coming week, or I guess this this past week, depending on when this when this drops, it's probably not going to be a YouTube video, um, just because school got busy and I could have kind of scrapped together like last minute topic or last minute video. I might, I don't even know, um, but I'm most likely just going to push it back one week for the sake of keeping the content quality at that high bar that I have for myself. Um, so. It's this weird balance. And, and like you said at the beginning of this discussion, it, it's somewhere in the middle. Like there's not, yeah. it's, there's, it's not a quantity matters more or quality matters more. They both matter and they both work together. Um, yeah, I just wanted to add that because it can be very easy to fall into that trap of thinking, okay, I need to crank out content. I need to put out three YouTube videos a week your podcast a week, one article a week. And I, actually, I was actually doing that for a few months when I was doing nutrition stuff and it, it worked, but I was just ran you to the ground. Yeah. yeah. And at a certain point, yeah, the quality has a little stress level. Finished, so it's, it's really important to just keep that in mind and make sure what you are putting out is something that you feel confident in. Yeah. And you don't want to run yourself to the ground to the point where you actually start despising, you know, the original passion, yeah. you know, the original passion is gone and you start despising the thing that you once loved because you're just destroying yourself. You know, you got to find that balance, balance in everything for sure. Uh, I wanted to talk exactly. to you next about, so you hear this term that goes around a lot, content strategy. Um, what is a content mm-hmm. strategy? How does one 
gain a content strategy? What goes into it? What are like the main pillars of a content strategy, would you say? And I I know it differs for every medium and every uh, form of content and different person. But what would you say are like the main pillars that form a content strategy for an individual or an organization, et cetera? Yes. I mean, when it comes to content strategy, strategy, the first thing you need to take into consideration is what is your actual goal? Like, what are you trying to achieve? Um, for a lot of people listening to this, it's probably just gain, building an audience. Um, so building brand awareness. But for some brands, um, in, for some, a lot of creators down the line, it becomes more than just building an audience, like monetizing an audience, getting attention on a certain product, getting um, people to go to a certain place because they saw your content and then we're directed to a different place. So it's important to understand what the actual goal is because a lot of people start off and rightly so just trying to build an audience. And for a lot of people um, in the early stages, that is the correct focus and you should be focused on that. But at a certain point um, you have to be aware of what your actual business goals are. Cause if you're doing the content creation thing with the hopes of making it a career, um, you have to know like how you're going to be making money and like how your content plays into that. It's great for it to be a passion project, but you have to kind of look at it from that lens. And then once you figure out the, the goal, whether it's uh, to drive traffic to a certain product, to just build brand awareness, like we were talking about, or anything else, like whatever the goal is, then you can reverse engineer from there. Um, right. And then from there, you figure out, okay, Who's your target audience? Who are you trying to reach? And then once you figure that out, it's like, okay, this is who I'm trying to reach. But where are they? What platforms are they on? Are they on Twitter? Are they on Instagram? Are they on TikTok? Are they on Facebook? Are they on YouTube? Whatever. Once you've got that figured out where your audience is, then you can pick, I would say two to three platforms. You can go five platforms if you want. If you want to push yourself, like I'm, la- be my I'm guess, laughing I've, because I've of that tweet. There. That tweet you retweeted today. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm the I'm the biggest hypocrite here, dude. Like I, I I'm better at this now. Um, I would say I'm mostly active on Twitter, YouTube, and um, and like Twitch, kind of. I do once a week, but um. Yeah, I, th- I think it's important for, especially if you don't have a lot of resources, pick like two or three platforms you're really good at um, and where your audience is at. And then from there, you can kind of develop a strategy for each of those platforms and, and go from there. But what you don't, what you don't want to do is just be everywhere. Or for example, this new like Dispo app that's popping up now. Um, you don't need to worry about a strategy for that because your audience isn't even on there. Like it's, it's in beta. There's nothing to strategize there. Right. So it's just important to be really intentional about like what your goals are, who your audience is, and then where your audience is. And then once you have that figured out, it becomes simpler. I don't want to say simple because it, it never is very simple. No, a lot of stuff goes into ever it, changing. but it becomes a, a little bit more, um, more straightforward to to figure out at least now you have a foundation and then from there you start to figure out what type of content you want to post and whatnot right on i like the word that you're using a lot which is intentional because jim and i use that a lot in our uh day-to-day uh just Mm. just with our own personal brand that we're trying to grow uh with team no trace which is like a startup esports organization um everything we do is very intentional like if we're going to be putting the time and the effort in uh, into a passion project to try and make it something more than that, um, it has to be intentional because like 
we all have lives, you know, like we all have jobs, we all have, you know, school like so, like yourself. So if you're not intentional with your time and with what you're trying to achieve, it's just going to be wasted in my opinion. So love that work. Yeah. Perfect example of this is like when streamers just stream on Twitch nine hours a day and say, oh, I'm grinding, like I'm going to grow, I'm going to do this full time. And they end up with one average viewer a year later, which by all means, if you want to do that, like be my guest. But if you're trying to grow, you get to be a little bit more intentional there and like not just grind for the sake of grinding. Like think about how this is actually going to help you and like how it actually yeah. contributes to your long-term goals versus just saying, Oh, I work super hard. I deserve to like have a hundred subs. Yeah. Um, so it, it's just important to consider. The world doesn't work it's, that way. It's like fishing, man. Like you can't just stick the same lure in the water and expect the yeah. fish to bite. Like if it's not biting, like switch it out, like take the worm off, throw a freaking a Ned rig on there or something, you know, like, you got to throw some bait. I don't bait. know anything like, about fishing, man, but I think your analogy is on point. <laughs> hey, man. I, I, I hunt and fish, so I can, I can probably connect the dots there you go. quite yeah. a bit. And like in reference to Twitch specifically, like Twitch is the, <clears throat> in this case, Twitch is the product that you're trying to get people to. You need to be trying to funnel them in from elsewhere to land on Twitch. You can't just stream for nine hours a day and expect the whole world's just going to show up yeah. one day, you know, in your stream. Like if you're not working on your socials yeah. outside of that to get people to your stream, um, yeah, uh, odds are a year, year from now, nine hours a day, you're going to still have one viewer in your stream. You know, that's just, that's the way it yeah. is. <clears throat> yeah. A, a good, a good kind of a, a good, simple way to, def- to wrap your head around that is like looking at it as discovery platforms versus destination platforms. Not sure exactly who came up with it. I heard it from Gersh. Um, he does social media for Wester and community mod for for Empire, stuff like that. I don't know where he heard, he heard it from, but it's a good way to look at it because you have discovery platforms like TikTok, for example. It's very, not easy, but it's easier relative to other platforms to get yeah. discovered. Still not easy. It's very difficult to, to know how to create content on there that does well. Or you can just post a random video and it'll go crazy. It's hard to tell. Um, but it's easier to get discovered on there. Uh, whereas something like Twitch, it's virtually impossible because their algorithm, their algorithm is non-existent. Really, um, it shows the top streamers, and the top streamers get all the views. And most of the time, I feel like whenever someone goes to Twitch, they kind of know who they want to watch anyway. Sure, you might browse a little bit, but speaking personally, I haven't. I have rarely ever gone to Twitch just seeing, saying, "Hey." I'm going to see who's online, see what the options are. I always go to Twitch saying, hey, this person's streaming right now. I want to go watch them. Um, so thinking about it as discovery platforms like TikTok is a good one. Um, IG technically considered one, but I would say that's getting less yeah. and less of one by the day because um, they just seem to be killing their own platform. That's a conversation for a different time. But yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, Nation platforms would be like Twitch, um, Clubhouse even right now, if you're doing that sort of thing, um, is their algorithm. I know they have some sort of thing in place, but it's not great. Like I haven't gone on Clubhouse and been like, oh, this room looks good. I'm going to actually hang out in here. Usually, again, it's because I know so-and-so is going to be in a room or hosting a room, so I'm going to go check them out. Yeah. And specific. where did I find them? On Twitter or on TikTok or on whatever. So. And going back to the content strategy thing, thinking about what platforms to choose, 
usually you want at least one of each. So one discovery platform, one destination platform. You can do two of each, whatever you want, whatever is feasible for you. Um, but I'd, I'd at least have one of each. So right. if you're going to be streaming on Twitch or it, it could even be YouTube, YouTube's a weird combination of both because it is possible for a video to pop off if you do it well. Um, and it just gains traction. That is a possibility. Um, but it also is a destination because you can drive traffic to it from other platforms. Yeah. And honestly, that's why I would say YouTube's my favorite platform right now, just because the potential is there for like, if I had to choose one platform, think about this very carefully because I don't want to anything <laughs> wrong, but I think I would choose YouTube at this point um, just because of the capability, capability for a video to gain traction um, and also the, the longevity of the content. Like you could post a video now that's gaining traction still a year from now if it yeah, does really yeah. well. Uh, like on my nutrition channel, <clears throat> I still have videos. I'm, I'm nearing a thousand subs and I haven't posted on the channel in like five months. Like I haven't touched that's it. Awesome, man. Just from and old People content. are still subbing. It's from older content that YouTube pushes out. Um, it takes time to get there, but if you do your homework and you study and, and you kind of see what works well, see what does, not to study other people, but study your own content, pay attention to trends in your own content, uh, your analytics, you can kind of see what does well, what doesn't, more of what does, and that's when you start to gain some more traction. But I kind of just went on a side tangent in there, but hopefully that answered the question. No, you answered the question. Hey, man, it's a podcast. Side tangents are more than welcome. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah definitely. That's why we're here. All right, moving on from so the social media content side of things. Um, obviously, like you said, you have a passion for esports. Um, we obviously mm-hmm. have a passion for esports. So I wanted to uh, hone in a little more on esports specifically with this stuff. Um, so, yeah. in your opinion, this is a very general question, um, but and we all know the answer to it. But I just wanted to like pick your brain a little. How important is content in esports and who do you think is doing it best? And when I say how important is it, I'm coming from the angle of like, so traditional sports is here, right? Esports has been, you know, climbing, climbing, climbing as technology has grown, as the world has evolved, esports is growing with it. But in order to get to that top level of traditional sports, like the content and the, the, production quality and everything has to meet meet that too so obviously content's important um what types of content do you think are most important in esports and like who's doing it best in your opinion right now yeah so in terms of types of content player-based content is so important i mean obviously gameplay has a place i want to clarify that up front because it's esports like if you don't post any gameplay you're you're kind of doing something wrong there but um gameplay does have a place it's foundational it's how you showcase your talent um if you have players that are really good you want to showcase that um if you have a game or a performance that really well you want to you definitely want to showcase that you can't just post gameplay um even the gameplay you do post should be well thought out it shouldn't be just rip the stream clip and upload it it should be go through the vod go to points in the stream or whatever the video um, that in traction on YouTube, you can actually go and look and see where people like actually went back and rewinded certain parts. Usually that's a good indicator of, Oh, this is a pretty good clip to use because it got people's attention. Um, so being use clips 
in an intentional way, going back to that word, but choose clips intentionally, um, not just for the sake of posting a clip. Uh, a lot of people fall back on that, especially especially smaller creators, smaller orgs um, fall back on that because they don't know what else to post. So like, oh, I'm going to post gameplay clips. It's content. Yeah, um, it's fine. But um, there needs to be more there now outside of gameplay, like the player based content, uh, like. Really, this is a really large umbrella um, as far as what classifies as player based content, but like the behind the scenes type of stuff, the stuff that isn't directly involved in playing the game that they play all day and that their audience constantly sees them playing. Right. Um, the example that comes to mind, the gold standard, at least in Call of Duty, is Optic. They've been doing this for as long as the esports been in, in existence at this point. Um, FaZe does it really well as well. Um, but just like content that isn't just the gameplay clips, like Optic has the their trivia. They did a spelling bee recently. They did yeah. one of those like bubble. I forget. I don't know what the thing is called, but like where the person gets gets inside the the, the box the and there's and, like, a, they roll around. Oh, that that yeah. They also did yeah. guess what's in the yeah. box. Like they yeah they they do a bunch of like trendy content. They do yeah. yeah stuff to engage people to show the human side, I guess, of the player. Yeah, and that's what you said there, like show the humans, I show their personalities. Out of the reason why people watch the Optic YouTube channel is because of Formal, because he's hilarious. Dude, people, I see people commenting like, like, like Formal <laughs> makes these videos. Please keep Formal around. Yeah. I'm so glad Formal is in Texas now. Like it's there. The evidence is there. They enjoy seeing their personalities. Um, so Optic, I would say, is the obvious answer. The team that does this really well. Um, Hundred Thieves, another example, um, fairly obvious one, but they're just crushing just about everything right now. Um, they do a lot of behind the scenes content. I'm excited to see more of it in the COD scene because um, now that they have the zero to hundred series coming back, we'll see more of that. Yeah, uh, now that they're in the CDL, we'll see more of that aspect. They did a recent series or brought back a series called the Heist for their League of Legends team, um, which huge. I saw the first video. It was it was great. Like I. I've been interested in league, but I never really got super into it. Cause you don't really, I don't really know any of the players. I don't really connect with any of them. I'm like, cool. I know it's like league the largest esport like, in the world, but I just yeah. I don't really know. Um, but I watched the video. I was like, yo, these guys are pretty cool. Like, I actually want to support them. Like they're, they're funny they have good personalities. So that's exactly what that behind the scenes content does. Um, and I get it might not be practical for every org, especially in this situation when everything's online, but the orgs that do have the capacity to do so really should do it more. Um, other underrated org that's doing this in the CDL a bit more often are uh, the New York subliners. They're posting, they're leveraging Zuma a lot. Uh, unfortunately, he's not playing competitively anymore, but it's great to see them still leaning into him as a personality with uh, Zuma's predictions. That's a series that they're doing on Twitter every time even before other teams matches not even just theirs and the fans seem to really enjoy that so every time you see a team lean into their players personalities it typically goes well um i I can't think of a time off the top of my head where something like that just completely flopped um usually the constant that doesn't do as well are like the stale gameplay clips the gameplay clips that aren't posted for a reason like i said before they matter they're important i don't want to say they're not um but definitely esports orgs could benefit from including more player-based content um, and optic hundred thieves. I think there are other examples too. Um, Envy is doing a pretty good job 
recently as well. he's doing a much better job yeah. I, I talked to carlos recently they have some things uh, there they're just getting started i'm excited to see what they're doing but that crim with the inside inside nb yeah crim crim six, six questions series. yeah i love that so That's i know they're going to be doing a lot yeah. more of that um they have some really smart people over there but yeah it's it's so important man yeah it's huge and that just leads me into the next topic is that side of it, the content creation, um, is one of the keys to success as an industry of esports in order to eventually uh, catch up or surpass traditional sports. Uh, this is a question for both of you. What other keys do you think are necessary to the success of esports finally catching and surpassing traditional sports in your minds? Uh, I'm going to lead this one off. In my opinion, I think. One of the biggest things that esports needs to do is to try to capture the younger audience, the kids that are like 10 years old that are growing up because generationally, as we get older, I mean, look at us now, like I'm turning 30 this year. I'm really into the CDL. My parents and the generations above me, you're not really getting that much viewership. You're not getting the love and the passion that guys like have for the game so if you can keep capturing that younger audience as the game and as esports gets older over time that's when it's going to become like say 20 years from now where you know like we're watching it my future kids going to be watching it at the same time and it's you're just generationally gaining more you know what i mean yeah for sure any other keys tommy yeah no, i know i agree I agree. I mean, personally, I grew up playing basketball. I still love basketball, but I don't watch the NBA that much. I watch esports way more. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a nerd or what, but like, I just, I enjoy it. Um, I keep up with the CDL more, esports in general. Um, I haven't watched an NBA game in its full length this season. Um, and again, I don't know if that's just the me thing or if it's a, a sign of the overall trend, but um, I think esports are definitely catching up. I don't know if we need to aim to catch traditional sports though or if it's going to go in a different direction like that's where i'm kind of stuck i'm not quite sure yeah that's a whole other a lot topic. of people fall under the fall under the trap of like wanting esports to be traditional sports and it's not as much like esports is more entertainment and more inter- entertainment focused than like only winning like people are still fans of teams that foreign is great um solely because of the personalities i mean there is that to a degree in sports is in traditional sports as well but yeah i I don't know if long term the goal should be to be the next mlb because i mean we see how how they're doing now um but yeah it'll be interesting it's it's hard to say exactly i don't have certainty there yeah and we're in a very uh i say uncertain but that's kind of like a gives it a negative connotation but like a very uh transitional period right now in the world in the sense of like technology is changing everything day by day um and i feel like to to say esports is like trying to emulate the mlb or the nba i feel like that's wrong because esports is being built on top of something that didn't exist when the mlb and the nba were started so in a way they're kind of paving their own path if that makes sense so i agree with you on that yeah, I mean, I think there's things that we can learn um, and, and things that can be applied from traditional sports. Like, absolutely. Like, the whole franchising thing definitely helped. Um, yeah. As far as giving, yeah. like, 
organizations more leverage and having an actual asset they asset they own uh, instead of just having their value be based solely on the salaries they pay their players. Like that's that's huge. That's a big thing. Yep. Um, but I do think there are, there are differences though, and I don't know if long term the goal is to be like the next NFL, the next MLB, etc. Yeah, I think we're esports in general is paving its own way. All right, we Jim. definitely need to uh, go, go ahead, ahead, Jimbo. No, go ahead. We definitely need to adapt a lot of things, though. There's a lot of things that we saw in the CDL last year, you know, that could definitely uh, aid everything, like like a players association. You know what I mean? Like the NFL have a team of lawyers. They have the NFL Player Association to kind of protect them and their interests, as well mm-hmm. as I think it would be that would greatly benefit the league, um, at least the players in the league. Like things like that. Um, yeah. One thing that surrounds esports a lot too is like mental health, uh, mental health resources. You know what I mean? Just being able to engage these players when they have fallouts. You saw, you saw, um, you know, Pristini put himself on the bench last season um, from the Florida Mutineers just due to mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if we have those resources within the leagues and stuff like that, and we are showing that we care about our players, like, I mean, I think it's just going to continue to allow things to grow and get closer to what traditional sports is, is doing. Like the standard, to, yeah. Exactly. For the NFL, it's it's yeah. the concussion protocols. You know what I mean? It's kind of like that in a way. For sure. Yeah. And I know, Tommy, you've, uh, you've had someone on your podcast um, who operates in that mental or, you know, mental health, uh, health and wellness area sector of mm-hmm. esports. So. It, it's big. Uh, personally, I think it's a huge thing, especially, you know, a lot of these guys that are competing, uh, they start competing at a young age, you know, they're, they're pumping hours and hours yeah. and hours into a video game and without really any knowledge or understanding of anything else, like outside of that, like mental health, like scheduling themselves, uh, being intentional, you know, with their brand, like just, there's just so much more than just actually playing the video game. And those resources need to be applied to these young, young players and young, young human beings, essentially, like not all of them are experienced in life. And sometimes it helps to have resources there to kind of guide you along the path. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I'm in agreement. hundred percent. All right, Jimbo, you had a few questions for Sir Tommy. Yeah, man. So, um, your content creation, everything, and then your podcast, you started pumping out esports economics. I mean, what made it, what motivated you to start that? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, podcasting is probably one of my favorites, if not the favorite way to create content, just because it allows me to sit down and have conversations with some really cool people that I probably wouldn't get to otherwise. Um, so, I mean, that's really the main thing. I mean, it's, it's just awesome to sit down and learn from some of the best people in the industry like Lindsay from envy super smart knows what she's doing um justin from envy and empire like all those people um and many more so that that would probably be the main reason for starting it um and from a content strategy standpoint it's very easy to repurpose like can stream the podcast straight to Twitch, straight to YouTube. So it's already up in bond form as soon as it's done. Zero editing required. Um, then from there, I can repurpose the video version into an audio version, which goes out two weeks later, more content. And then from there, I can repurpose the, the recording into clips I can post on social. Um, so it's very, very um, diverse in, in 
how I can repurpose and the amount of value that I can get out of one recording. Like I have so much content that I'm just sitting on. Like, I don't know what to do with it because there's just a lot. So it's almost become a problem at this point, but it's good because I have no shortage of social media. Good problem to have. Um, Yeah, definitely. So I would say those two reasons. I mean, the first one is being able to sit down with some really cool people and learn from them. I'm as someone who's learning myself and still getting getting um, to know the space and getting to know how things work. That's been really cool. And just to create those relationships outside of the podcast as well and like become friends with people. Um, that's been really awesome. And then slightly below that, just the ability to repurpose and the ability to actually leverage that one piece of content a ton of different ways. Yeah. 100%. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean that's um, essentially why we started our podcast as well. It's my yeah, fa- it's my favorite medium as well as uh, everything you just said. You can repurpose it so many ways. Yeah. Um, my next question would be: so for for all these young kids growing in in the COD scene, I mean, esports in general that that are seeing this and 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 dreaming of becoming like a scump one day, like a content king or something like that. What's your top three pieces of advice? someone that has no socials no nothing i mean they do but they they just have no content whatsoever what are your top three piece of advice you would give to like a new streamer or a new content creator yeah i would say the first one is just figure out what sets yourself apart like you're probably not gonna be the next gump i hate i hate to break it to you but it's yeah. the chances of that happening or anything close to that happening very minimal um but can probably make a living off of streaming off of content creation in general might might be youtube videos might be streaming whatever and that's still very hard but it's a lot more doable if you have a very clear value proposition that sets you apart from other streamers or from other content creators like what's a gap in industry that you're trying to go into what like what's a gap in the content in the game you're trying to play like what are people who are streaming cod not doing that you can do really well and attract viewers to your stream it might not even be COD related. Like it could be something completely different. Um, but just figuring out what that thing that sets you apart is, is the first one. The second one, probably just as important. So I'd say 1A, 1B would be consistency. The reason why I didn't put consistency first is because you could be consistent, consistent as hell. But like if you don't have something that sets you apart, it's still going to be tough. Like same thing like we're yeah. talking about streaming nine hours yeah. a day on Twitch. Congrats, you work really hard, but you don't have anything that makes people want to watch you. So once you figure out what that is, and you'll probably figure that out as you go too. So they're kind of interchangeable and it'll evolve over time. But um, once you have that kind of figured out, or at least a rough draft of that figured out and consistency, um, you're a lot better off putting out a consistent body of work over the course of months, years, et cetera, than you are trying to go viral. Still like try to create content that gains traction, learn social media, learn content creation. So you know what types of things generally do well. So you can implement that in your content creation, but go into it just with the expectation of creating good content over time. Um, going to put you in the best spot and then number three let's see i would say i mean those two are probably the, the biggest ones number three there's a bunch of different things that can kind of fit in here um i would say just take the time to like make sure you're confident in your work 
Um, like we we're talking about earlier, I think a trap that's easy to fall into is like thinking you have to post X amount of times per day and sacrificing quality and like knowingly sacrificing quality. Like there's a difference between just overthinking and, and trying to be a perfectionist and being negligent content. Yeah. yeah. And being like actually like, like mindful about what you're putting out. So I would say that's important. Um, also, another one to add on to that is like be professional, <laughs> especially for younger people. That's a very underrated one because uh, like memes are cool and like it's cool to like roast people and like it gains traction and it's really easy to gain traction that way or easier to gain traction that way. Um, but just be mindful that it's going to stick around on social media. And at a certain point, if you're trying to work with the brand, like brands look at that. Um, You might not think they see it, but they look at that. So just be mindful of that. Don't be toxic. Um, You're much better off just spending your time, putting your energy into good quality content than you are trying to pick fights on social. You couldn't have said it better ourselves, eh, Jim? I know, right? <laughs> it's, fu- it's funny that you, you mentioned that because that's literally what TNT is built on. We are trying. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard, you guys out there. But we are trying our very best to change the culture, uh, especially in the COD community, to be less toxic yeah. and kind of match or emulate the professional realm in, in the sense of like sportsmanship, um, professionalism how you present yourself basically like any any young kids that come into our org or uh play for any of our teams or anything we expect a certain level of uh, professionalism from them not only because it makes our life easier and represents us well but also looking out for them and trying to teach them what the real world is all about for lack of a better term um how you act now you know emulates where you want to be and that's kind of like our motto, I guess you could say. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, on that too, like don't do something, don't like fall into a trend just because everyone else is doing it. Um, like one in the, co- in the COD community right now is like the whole down bad thing. Like it gets engagement because it's funny. Um, and and yeah. like those sorts of tweets, like shout out, shout out Justin. He's the one that kind of pioneered, pioneered this, uh, Justin bad. Pistachio. Uh, but like he, he does it well and like it's on brand for him because you know, he came up, I don't know if he came up with it, but he's like really leaned into it. But now because people are seeing the, the success that he had um, with kind of getting traction as far as engagement, like nothing crazy as far as like going viral, but um, actually he got with it. So they kind of copy that in their own content and doesn't do as well because like it's not original to them. Yeah. yeah. So just like, don't feel like you have to do something just because everyone else does. Um, all right uh last segment of the show as we're closing up here is the q a segment perfect perfect all right so we have a few questions from some followers of ours on twitter that they had specifically for you um i'm going to throw them up on the screen here as uh, we ask you so the first one is from jordan thompson and he asks is there any chance for the lesser brands in the CDL, i.e. Paris, Legion, LA Gorillas, Seattle Surge, etc., to become or build themselves up to be an org like Dallas, Optic, or FaZe? If so, what do they need to do differently? 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance. I mean, even if you look at Seattle, like they're backed by I think Luminosity, um, which is it's, it's a noticeable works. So, like they're not they're not uh, they're not quote unquote small. But I mean, for an example of this, look at what the Rocker are doing. He came into this with a group of investors that really didn't have any experience in esports. I guess a whole, I'm sure plenty did, but like they didn't have they weren't backed by like Face Clan or Luminosity or. Um, optic or whatever these endemic names yet they've been they've been able to build this fan base uh, and build this really close-knit community only their first year and it's only their first like not at this point their second year but just over a year in they're in a great spot so i think they they have the potential to kind of i don't know if catch up would be the right word because assuming optic he's making progress and these orgs keep making progress i don't know if that'd be the right word but yeah there is the potential to yeah. um create that long-term success and be like a a well-respected org in the scene um let's say what they need to do differently what, what rocker has done really well it's allowed them as a i guess quote-unquote smaller org to come in and and do well is the focus on community engagement like their motto is one fan at a time i think dylan pomeroy said that on in a clubhouse room that they were in um but their focus is on really building a tight knit community. And it shows because they have people like going out of the way to rep them and support them and mentioning them on Twitter. Uh, there's a whole group of really, really dedicated rocker fans, um, which is kind of setting that foundation. And now that they have that foundation, they can kind of build upon that and expand and eventually reach that level of a phase clan or an optic. I don't know. It might not happen. It might happen, but have a chance of it because they've set that foundation with creating that close-knit community um and then i would say the other thing i mean player-based content that's that's something that i'm really big on like we talked about earlier yeah i think leaning into that more um paris i don't know what's going on with them I, there's there might <laughs> be some does, stuff behind dude. closed <laughs> paris there's, is, probably some, there's probably some stuff behind closed doors so yeah I mean, they're, it's they're not the meme. Paris is the mean it's not the content right creator's now. faults over there. Like they're probably doing the best they can with what, with what they've got. Um, I think London's doing well. Um, the social media manager, Petter, um, he, he's over there. He's doing some really good stuff. Um, they are working with Vic Star. I think he's an owner, actually. Yeah, I um, heard that. He's a part yeah, of he, he Oh, that's huge. Yeah, so that's huge. Uh, I think a few big TikTok stars are partnered with them as well. Um, so I'm confident they'll, they'll be fine. I think what a lot of people need to realize is that a lot of these orgs specifically in the context of call of duty um like i was saying seattle's backed by luminosity luminosity they already have like a foundation over there yeah um, but in terms of like the seattle surge like that brand is new so it's going to take time um yeah that was going to be think, my add-on is uh people yeah. need to keep in mind that phase clan wasn't built overnight optic gaming was yeah not you, built can't ex- overnight. you can't expect <laughs> I would say the rocker just absolutely crushed it. I'm gonna go back to them all the time because I think they have in their first year and a yeah, month. Hundred percent. Um, but even then, can't expect them to be optic like in their first season. Um, and everyone behind that organization knows like they're not optic yet. Yeah. Um, so it takes time. I think that's the thing. A combination of it just takes time. Like there's not really just nothing really to stress about, and also just really building a solid foundation of a community that really cares about your brand. Cause then they go out and get their friends into it. Um, like 
like I said, there's people singing the rockers praises from the mountaintops because they're so like in love with the brand, yeah. um, which is a and great spot to be super good at engaging to expand content. Yeah. And they're, they're not even their players, but like their staff. Yeah. Like they're just really good. Really good. Um, and nice doing, a great doing job. That and getting people involved. I think uh, a power move for them uh, specifically, as far as like is, is doing that as well is like, attach man like not only is he a nasty player but he's got such a great like youtube channel and like so entertaining i think he brought a lot of his Mm -hmm. fan base over there as well and i kind of wonder like how much does like like a a player brand kind of come into like talks and negotiations with with these other organizations as like hey like we're gonna take attach from you or this guy like you're about to lose like a lot of like potentially like monetary gains because this this guy's fan base a lot of it is going to be following him you know i think rocker did yeah. a very powerful move when they got attached onto that roster because one like the kids the kids great at the game too he's got such a good personality he's got such a good social media following and you know he's a pretty boy so like you know girls are going to be all over, all about <laughs> him and like you know i think i mean it's just what it, it is what it is like new york subliners last year they were all like it, it almost seemed like the they model squad like, yeah the model squad man like <laughs> that's what i saw them as and then like rocker this year you know what i mean they're they're yeah. they they get that loyalty from their fans and their fans are just like you know they're like in the nfl you have uh you have the browns fans you know they're you got to be loyal to be a browns fan no matter what <laughs> shots fired <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i mean yeah. you know they're building their own dog pound so which is great i love seeing it um surge they got octane yeah. octane's got a great channel um i love his content <clears throat> Yeah, I haven't looked into what they're doing specifically super deeply. So, that, so they might be doing really well with content, but I just I haven't looked over there. So I, I can't really speak too much on like what, what they could be doing better, what they should do. I'm sure they're doing fine. Um, but I think they need yeah, to get no, in contact with you. with you, my friend. <laughs> hey, <laughs> appreciate that. Serge, if you're watching this, anybody, bang Tommy's line. All right, uh, next question. So back to the player content side of things. We're just wrapping up here. Uh, from brandon mr big buku uh one of the homies at tnt uh why aren't more brands and players making content i'm sure most people who follow certain teams and players would love a deeper look behind the scenes it seems like it could only help them long term are there things we don't know as fans that shows content could be detrimental that's a good question i don't think it's so much i don't think it's so much detrimental i just think it has to do with um circumstances especially this year like now that teams are are back in dallas like you see mv and empire ramping up their content they know what they're doing they have a team full of really talented people um reason why they weren't doing as much content over the off season is probably because the full team wasn't central like to where they are so practicality just didn't allow it um so i think that probably is the main reason just because of the whole online thing and now a lot of players are in Texas, so I think it alleviates that. Um, like you're seeing the 100 Thieves putting out content, um, or LA Thieves putting out content. Um, you're seeing Optic as always. I mean, that's always been a thing. Mm-hmm. But probably practicality, and then as well, resources. Like we said, talking about Paris, like everyone wants to make fun of them, but who knows? Maybe there's one person like running their socials and running their content. Yeah, so just, it might yeah, not be scrambling. So, yeah, yeah it, it's hard to run a so one uh social media platform let alone five um so 
resources might be a thing. Um, a lot of these orgs are backed by like venture funds or other organ or established orgs that have uh, that have money. So I mean that might not be an excuse, but yeah, if you have a small team, it might be tough to actually execute on content ideas I have or you have. Like for example, with the company I work with right now, there's so many things I want to do, but it's just not practical right now. Um, so there's that aspect as well. Um, I said though, I, I think it is reasonable to expect orgs to do more of this sort of content in the future. Um, you always want to be mindful of like the people behind the brands and like everything they're going through during this crazy time. But um, I think it's reasonable to kind of push for more behind the scenes content, more player-based content. I think there's a lot that you can do even in a situation like this um, to, to, to integrate that more. So it's a fine balance, but uh, that would be my thoughts on that. Hundred percent. And back to the uh, the investor side of things, like having strategic and good investors that know what they're doing in the space is huge too. Because you could have all the money in the world, but if you got a bunch of suits that are trying to, you know, pump a brand, but don't really have the know how. Look what happened with Optic. Yeah, I mean, exactly. <laughs> they prime example to the audience. You know, they weren't yeah. connected to the community. Yeah. So money isn't everything. Um, yeah, thankfully got them back. But yeah. yeah. I mean, I throw shade at Activision suits all the time. Yeah, we know. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> all right, last question for you, Tommy. Uh, it's from Emperor Foe, Fox, Fox, Foe, um, a.k.a. Kai. What is it that separates esports like League of Legends or Valorant, etc., from Call of Duty? What do these other, quote unquote, I guess, bigger esports have that the CDL doesn't? In your opinion, it's a good question. I was I was thinking about this one because I saw it on Twitter. Um, I was thinking. I mean, I don't I don't know if I have the perfect answer. I don't know if anyone has the perfect answer. But I mean, the thing that comes to my mind immediately about something like Valorant and League of Legends, probably a lot more. Well, one, they have like the global audience. So COD, there is a global audience for COD, and there's a global competitive scene. I know there was like European competitive COD. Um, I don't know if there still is, but there was. Um, so I mean it's there, but for League of Legends, you have a massive global audience. Like that's yeah. not debatable. So you're naturally gonna have more viewers and, and perform better. Um so I think that probably is one thing, as well as just the accessibility of League of Legends, not in terms of ability, uh, but in terms of like, for example, like COD is pretty violent, like for for the average person. I mean, it's not like terrible. Um, most people are desensitized to it at this point, but parents are going to be a lot more likely to let their kids get into League of Legends or even Valorant, for example. Valorant is just pretty much a cartoon CSGO yeah. with some, obviously, some distinctions, but it's very reminiscent of that. Um, so it's superhero piece, I think, is and I think that's more yeah, like, like the accessibility piece is yeah. is super important because if someone can't or someone parent if someone's parents aren't letting them play to love your game all you want but they're not going to play right um and also just the reward system that we're seeing with league play uh being rolled out there really isn't like a massive reward for grinding cod yeah um aside from the top 0.1 percent who are in the cdl and have a impressive prize pool it's great to see that improving uh, but for the the casual competitive players who's still like competitive but maybe not a professional player the reward whether it be financially, whether it be just in the form of a rank or an emblem or something, isn't really all there. 
And you have that with Valorant, like Road to Radiant. You see Nade Shot just grind. He's been grinding that game for I don't even know how long at this point, but it's all he plays now. Right. He's trying to get to that point, and that accomplishment actually means something. There's an actual real reward. Um, League also has an ELO system. Um, I think both of the, both those games do. So there is a very clear like way to reward the people who put in the effort. Um, with COD right now, like. Personally, I don't even know what the hell the ladder system is in league play. It's I just enjoy playing because it's man. I just enjoy playing just because it's four v four and it's more yeah. play than pubs. But like I don't care about my ranking. Like I literally do not give a crap. Yeah. I could play I could be in like rank zero and I I wouldn't mind. It wouldn't offend me. But like you want to improve in Valorant. You want to improve if you're playing league. Um so I, I think a combination of those things. Kind of contribute to the reason why league has been so dominant and why Valorant has been able to just come in and be so dominant right off the bat. I do think COD has a bright future. Hopefully, Activision and also one more, one more thing: the the communication between players and the developer much better on the Valorant side on on the league side. Um, I forget what podcast it was, but. I think a developer from Riot was, or Eco, a Valorant player for 100 Thieves, had said he spoke to developers at Riot Games more times in a month than he had in his previous experience playing CSGO wow. in years. So there's that. Obviously not a direct comparison to God, but kind of same thing. Players always complain about developers' lack of transparency. And there's probably legal stuff and obviously context there that we lack, but is a factor so i think all those things come together that set those two games um i don't know if valorant is above cod so to speak i don't know what the numbers are there i don't know exactly so i don't want to jump to that conclusion but i mean league of legends has just been dominant for some time now i I think those are the reasons why i think something that can also um go into that is like the playability on you know like it i don't think it takes as much technological power Yeah, I don't think it takes a lot of technological power to run League of Legends on your computer versus like, you know, a game like Call of Duty frames are everything, you know, you you need that that monitor that's going to be pumping, you know, it's going to allow your computer to pump out all those frames. So for the average person to kind of connect themselves to those pro players that are just straight up nasty at the game versus, okay. This guy's good at the game, but how much is his setup contributing to that? You know what I mean? I think yeah. that could be a, a, yeah, a yeah. No, well. it's, a, it's an interesting conversation. Um, definitely with League, I'm not sure. I mean, how much technology would impact Valorant? I would assume it's kind of closer to COD, but I don't know. I've been um, meaning to uh, give Valorant a try. Did you end up trying it out? Actually. Actually, Probably. I was going to hop on after this. I'm going to get some dinner. I'm just going to hop on with, with some people. Right um, on. So we'll see how it goes. I'm probably going to be trash. I, I haven't played keyboard mouse games <laughs> in forever or really ever. So I'm um, probably going to be garbage, but I, I do want to try it out. because I, I think it'll be easier to pick up in League just because I actually know what's going on in Valorant and League. I just I have no clue. So yeah, that's a massive well, one. Let me yeah. know. Let me know how it goes and I'll. I'll kind of base my decision if i want to jump into it or not because <laughs> i'll be in this, i'll be in the same boat as you man yeah anyway uh wrapping it up i just want to say thank you again tommy for hopping on taking all these questions and you know 
giving us a dive into your world a little bit. I'm sure it's going to help out a lot of our viewers. Um, yeah, so just want to say thank you and make sure everybody, uh, all Tommy's socials will be below. Make sure you go give him a follow and uh, support him and all the content he's pumping out. And uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, and share this video. Help us out. Uh, we appreciate everything. We appreciate all of our loyal uh, viewers. And yeah, great episode. Great podcast, boys. Thank you guys. Signing out. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right. Catch you guys later. <laughs>